<coughs> the brief reading I'll take will be from the Gospel according to Mark and chapter 6. The Gospel according to Mark and chapter 6. <coughs> I want to read the account of the well-known account of the feeding of the 5,000. Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. And <coughs> we'll come into the, the chapter at verse 33. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, was moved with compassion toward them, because they were a sheep, not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. He answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred pennyworth of bread and give them to eat? He saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the green grass. And they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set before them. And the two fishes divided he among them among them all, and they did all eat, and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of the fragments and of the fishes, and they that did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. And other Gospels tell us women and children uh, besides the five thousand men. Now we trust the Lord's <coughs> blessing upon uh, another reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now if you have been here and quite a number have been here over these two days. Uh, one of the things that you will have very, very much appreciated along with myself has been the very, very kind hospitality of the Christians that have convened uh, the conference here. Between these various sessions, we've been able to go up to the canteen, the dining room, and the tables have been well spread, very, very satisfying and sumptuous and enjoyable meals. And together, on your behalf and on my own behalf, I express public thanks for the very, very kind hospitality of those who have provided for us. I want to speak about one of the greatest occasions of hospitality which this world has ever seen. Most remarkable, most unusual, from a number of aspects. There were no canteens, no dining rooms. I have gone up there, and I see all the machinery and all the ovens and, and all the different pieces of equipment and all the stainless steel benches and so many of the Christian ladies that have been busy getting everything prepared and working with all these machines. Here was a great act of hospitality. No ovens, no machinery, no silverware, no stainless steel. No electricity, absolutely nothing. And you say how many were involved? A couple of hundred? No. It does take a lot of work, a lot of work to feed uh, two or three hundred people, such as we have over a weekend like this. Five thousand. Five thousand. Five thousand meals. 
then females, and then children. 5,000 males, maybe 5,000 females, 10,000 mouths, maybe a couple of children to each family. You could have almost 20,000 mouths that were to be fed. Well, you say they must have been in a nice area where they had plenty of shops. They mightn't have had ovens, and they mightn't have had tables and all the machinery and equipment. They must have had goods. No, they were out in a wilderness, in a desert place, nothing but green grass. No shops, no houses, no equipment, nothing like that. And about 20,000 mouths, all satisfied by one of the greatest occasions of hospitality that has ever been seen. I want to speak to you just for a few minutes and not stretch out my message. I sometimes say that my messages have some elastic. You can stretch them out or you can press them in. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to press it in and concise it as much as I can and speak to you about the satisfying Savior who provides the supper of salvation. And I hope that you will enjoy the hospitality of the nail-pierced hand of the living Christ. My dear friend, the Savior, He could save your soul, and He could fill your heart and transform your life and give you a passport to heaven for all eternity. Oh, the comprehensive Christ. Let me ask you to think through with me about three major topics in connection with this great story of hospitality. Number one, I want to speak about the problem that was faced. It was a serious problem. If you have 20,000 mouths, people out there in a desert place, you have a problem on your hands, a serious problem a problem of considerable magnitude, and it affects every one of them. The men are hungry, the ladies are hungry, and the children are hungry. They're all affected. There's no one can stand up and say, well, this doesn't touch me. Here is a problem, and in its magnitude, in its largeness, it's very, very… the problem that was faced. Number two, I want to say something about the provision that was furnished suddenly in a situation that seemed to be impossible, the generosity of the Lord Jesus was displayed in a most remarkable manner, and He did what no one else could do. He provided with His own hands the very thing which the people needed. The twelve disciples were there, but they couldn't provide what the people needed. But the Savior provides. Oh, I tell you, I tell you, people, the only person that can meet your need is the blessed Lord Jesus. What a Savior. What a wonderful Christ. The problem that was faced, the provision that was furnished by the generous, competent Savior. And thirdly, and maybe, maybe I will emphasize this one a little bit more at the end of my message. I want to speak to you about the people that were filled. You say, well, out of 20,000 of them, well, if you can, if you can manage to, um, to at least give them a little snack to help them go in, or at least if you can give half of them a meal, 50%. No, the Bible says they did all eat and took a little. No, they did all eat 
and were filled. So that so much was provided. There was a sufficiency for all, and there was a satisfaction for every person that partook of what was provided. The people that were filled, I hope you'll be filled. I hope you'll say, well, I went away from the conference in 2019. I received a portion from the Savior. I know the satisfaction of salvation in my soul. Well, I hope that will be the case. But we'll start just, we'll start at the start. The people were hungry. Hungry. Well, that is a problem, a problem that was faced. It was, um, hunger is a big problem. Hunger in the world. If you think of the World Food Bank and, and the World Food Organization, and they tell those statistics that I couldn't give to you, but millions of people that suffer from malnutrition. We see it on some of these websites and see it on different newscasts, little photo pictures of people with little bloated tummies and skeletons, bones sticking out, people that are malnourished. People that die, fatalities, especially little children, die hunger. The want of food in so much of the world, and then the waste of food in the other part of the world. And I tell you, hunger is a big, big problem in this old world. I'm speaking today about hunger, not the hunger of the stomach. There's a worse kind of hunger. Can I speak to you about the hunger of the soul? If I were to give you a sheet of paper and ask you to define what exactly is hunger, well, we could, it's just difficult enough to, to put your finger on it and say, this is a, it's a, a sense of emptiness, a sense of something missing, a sense of just a deficiency. There's a lack, and you're hungry, and there's a sense of lack, and there's a sense of longing. Well, maybe, maybe there's someone here just this afternoon at 10 to 5, and you can identify with that. You know there's something missing. There are a lot of things that are not missing in your life. We live cluttered lives. You have employment. Perhaps you have marriage, education, success. And we could lengthen the list of things, commodities, and ingredients, components that there might be in your life, and they're all there, but there's just a gnawing sense of emptiness, and your cluttered life that is crammed with these things, still the most vital ingredient for the human personality is missing. And there's an, you don't have a relationship with God. There's a hunger in the soul. You see, I can observe. I can observe in uh, just making an analysis of human nature. We, we are made up in, well, we have different, different sectors, if you like, different parts to our person. The intellectual part, physically. Then we intellectual. Then socially. And we feed. We feed those. We feed our bodies. Maybe overfeed them sometimes. But we feed our bodies. We look after that physical. Then we feed our intellect. Go and get education, university, degrees, diplomas, etc. And we feed our intellect. That's good. It's good to find people with a nourished mind, well-filled and well-fed. Then we feed 
not only the physical side of life and the intellectual side of life, and we feed the social side of life, and we have our Facebook page, and we have our friends and our followers and our likes, and we want to be part of the group, and we have a good social network of friends. Then, there's another sector to the human personality which many people leave in starvation, and that's the spiritual side. They look after their career, look after their parents, look after their family, look after themselves, and yet that missing ingredient. And there's a distance between the soul and God, and there's a barrier, and there's some kind of a disjunction. That's, that's what sin has… that's what sin… it has inflicted upon us the damage of our ruptured relationship with God, and it has left the starvation of the soul. And here we have it, the largeness of this problem. These 20,000 people are what The lateness of the problem. Actually, it tells us one of the things that made it worse, it was late in the day, and the darkness was coming, and if these people were going to be fed, they needed to be fed quickly. Ah... Uh, I say, I say, I could be speaking to someone here just this afternoon, and just to put it bluntly, dear friend, because I'm moving quickly through my little message, if you're going to be saved, you need to get saved soon, for the darkness is coming. There's no time to lose. Too many years have passed. Perhaps some are here, and you have watched opportunities just glide by, and the birthdays come this way, and the opportunities go that way, and you get older and colder and further away, still not saved. It was late. The largeness of the problem, the lateness of the problem, the location, it was a desert area. So they couldn't, they, they couldn't look around to find their need met in the, area, in the environment. You know, the world can't satisfy your need. What you need, you cannot find it in society. You cannot find it in the world around so that this this problem that is confronting this massive multitude of people, the problem of starvation and hunger and imminent death is a serious, just like us, our problem is a serious problem. Thank God into this picture. It says about the Lord Jesus, He came out. <laughs> if He had never come, this story would have been a very sad story. And there you have all these hungry people, and he came out. I'm glad. I'm glad that I can tell you about a Savior who came out. Gentlemen and ladies, one day when heaven was full of his praises, and one day when sin was as black as could be, my blessed Lord, he came out. Out from heaven, and he came right down. And, and actually, it tells us more. It not only says He came out. You know, sometimes you could come out and take a look, and you see the things so overwhelming. You just disappear. It says He came out, and He had compassion. Oh, I tell you, I want to speak to you tonight about a Savior who not only left, left, the home of eternal glory. But He loved sinners just like ourselves. We stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how He could love us 
sinners condemned unclean. My dear friend, that is why tonight you can be saved even at this hour. You might have the starvation of sin in your soul. There's a Savior who came and who loved. His compassion, His coming. I want to speak about His competence. You know, the Savior took it's a beautiful story. We cannot go into all the details here tonight, or I would break my promise to be brief. Savior took a few, a, a few little fishes from the sea. And he took a few little loaves from the land. And he looked up into the sky, and he was the creator of all three. He created the sky, He filled the sea, and He covered the soil. And as the great Creator, the Savior took His hands, and He just opened up from those hands every single, what every single one of those people needed, the 20,000, not one was left out or omitted in the abundance of His provision. I tell you, we can speak tonight with absolute confidence, dear friend, of the providing Christ. You see those hands? The hands that handled that bread and the fish. Those hands in a very short space of time would be fastened to a Roman cross, pierced, pierced by the steel of a Roman nail, nailed upon Golgotha's tree, faint and bleeding, who is he, hands and feet, so rudely torn, wreathed with crown of twisted thorn, Son of God, tis he, tis he. On the cross at Calvary, is there a man here just this afternoon in the dying shadows of this Sunday in September 2019, just the autumn equinox, and you could consider Calvary. Dear man, there was a Savior suffered his hands and his heart was wounded that you might be saved, dear lady. Thank God for the competence. You know, all these people needed was Christ. And if Christ had not been there that day, I say, there would have been no supper. There would have been no salvation. It would have been a matter of mass graves. People that would just have perished. I'm glad we have a message we can tell you of a Savior who came and died and gave Himself. He not only gave the bread, on this occasion about which I'm speaking, He gave Himself and His body upon the cross. What a blessed Savior. The problem that was faced and the provision that was furnished all by Christ, all by Him, no one else, only Him, the great Creator who became the provider. Then what about the people that were filled? Well, 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 well. This was a very important thing. The Bible tells us they did all eat. So that what the Lord Jesus provided, just, just you stay with me here, and uh, I'm not going to keep you much longer, but I want you to get this. He broke the bread. He multiplied the loaves and the fishes. He did all of that. That was all His work. 
They didn't help him. He didn't use any equipment. He didn't use any baking bowls. He didn't use any ovens. He did that all himself. And he completely did that. Dear friend, I can tell you tonight, when the Lord Jesus died upon the cross, he completely did all that needed to be done so that the massive penalty of our sins, it was paid in full by him and by him alone. But now listen to this little part of the story. Although the Savior made the bread and multiplied it, did all of that, each one of them had to take it. You say, but um, the Lord Jesus went round and He took them and He pushed it <laughs> into their mouth. No, no. Nobody was forced. They did all eat. He provided it, but they partook of it. I wonder, I wonder, as I get just to almost the close of my little message, and I tell you, dear people, see for every person here, right down from these sides, right up around, there's not a single person here or outside right round there. All those millions of people that surge through the streets of New York and all these areas, there's not a single one for whom the Savior did not die. He finished the work for them all, and for you all. But you have to personalize it and say, well, He died. And He died for sinners. And He died for all. But I want to suggest, just right now, maybe there's someone here, and you would say, thank God He died for me. Died for me. Just as each person, the, 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 the people that were sitting down, in fact, that was a thing. That was a thing I should tell you. The, um, the Lord Jesus made all these people sit down. Now, you know, you know that if you had a massive crowd of 10 or 20,000 people and you're all hungry and you started to make out bread, they'd all be pushing and shoving and wanting to get to the front and try and reach. And the people that could stretch out the most and reach the highest and reach, they would get it. The other people wouldn't have. Savior says, no, no, just make them all sit down. Sit down. So they'll not push, and they'll not be a matter of their effort, and it'll not be a matter of how far they can reach or how much they can. No, no, he says, it'll not be a matter of human effort. He says, they'll just take this as a gift, and they'll eat. I say, dear friend, you can take salvation today as a gift. It's not how hard you push. You know, some people think, if I say so many prayers, I'll, 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 I'll get up in there. And if I so much penance, well, I'll, 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 I'll go a bit further than anyone else, and I'll climb a, a higher mountain, and I'll travel a bigger pilgrimage than anyone. No, no, you're not. People that get the blessing from Christ, they just sit down. They say, I'm hungry. And I'm helpless. And I'll just take what He gives. Take it as a gift. And the Bible says, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. Take salvation. Wonder is there anyone here, and you have looked at it for years. Maybe you're just here for the first or second time to hear the gospel. You wonder what it's all about. My dear friend, there's a rich provision by Christ alone for you. The question now at this time in the meeting is this. Will you take it for yourself? You see, the person sitting beside you can't take it for you. Each mouth 
had to take it for himself for her getting saved. Actually, actually, there could be someone trust Christ now. What time is it there? Seven minutes past five. There's someone could trust Christ now, and the person just at your elbow wouldn't even know what had happened. And you say, Jesus, I will trust Thee. Trust Thee with my soul. Guilty, lost, and helpless, Thou canst make me whole. There is none in heaven or on earth like Thee. Thou hast died for sinners. Therefore, Lord, for me. And I'll tell you, they all had to take the same. You say, well, what if you not give out menus? And they take the box. And some people like salmon. And some people like hake. And some people like pastries. And give out a menu and let that. No, no, they all took the same. My dear friend, salvation's the same for every person. You just get saved like a sinner, a hungry sinner. So do I. I take it from the same Savior, the same salvation, the same gift. I'm glad the night I trusted Him. That's a way over 40 years ago. I've never regretted it, not even for a split second. You know what it says about these people? It says they did all eat. And, oh, it's all right. It was all right. You know, sometimes people go to a, 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 an eating thing, and I ask them, well, what did you think? Oh, I say it was fair. Three stars. TripAdvisor, give it a review, three stars, four stars. I'll tell you, you see, if ever you meet any person that's saved who only gives salvation three stars, you can be absolutely sure they know nothing about it. <laughs> every man, woman, child, every human being that ever trusted Christ, three, five stars. I'll tell you, there are not, not enough stars in the sky. They did all eat and were filled. I'm filled, filled with peace. The Bible speaks about being filled with peace, filled with joy. Thank God for the joy. I'm not a glum Christian. No, dear friend, filled with peace, filled with joy. The Bible speaks about being filled with assurance. Listen, I'm going to Ireland tomorrow, a few other places en route. I'm not sure that I'll make it back to Ireland. I hope I do. hope I get out of this place. I would like to get back to Ireland. But I'm not sure that I'll ever make it. Mervyn's hoping to go to England. I'll tell you, I'm 100% sure, dear friend, I'll be in heaven. Oh, the joy and the peace. And the, from ever I trusted Christ, they did all eat and were filled. I'll tell you a story. We had a good Christian friend. He died there just a couple of years ago, back in Belfast. And his man in his 80s and was saved, I think, Maybe the second time, just after he had been at a second gospel meeting, and he heard the message of the gospel, heard about his need as a sinner, heard about the love of Christ, and heard how to be saved, trusting in Christ. But he just, just struggled with this. He was in his late teens, I think a young man of 19, lived for 70 years with the joy of salvation. But this particular morning, he was working, he worked in a bakery. And he wondered, how can I get saved? I'd love to be saved. He had a longing in his heart. He knew he was a sinner. He didn't want to die in his sins. And he had a longing. And how can I be saved? And he was working at his bakery. And uh, some of his colleagues had put out some little crumbs into just the back little garden, the little yard, the little space. 
And as he was working at this bakery in the window, he was wondering about how do I get saved? It's very difficult. And what, how do I actually make this my own? And while he was thinking and talking and sort of looking out through the window into midair, he saw a little sparrow. And the little sparrow came down from the rooftop down to these crumbs and just took some of these crumbs and flew away happily into the sky. And just like that, he says, that's how I get saved. He said, I'll just come down as a sinner. I'll just come down as a sinner. And he said, I'll take what Christ has provided. And I would say, dear friend, trust Christ and take salvation, and you'll be saved. Just come down. Don't sit and look at it. Don't, don't, don't sit and look at it. Don't say, oh, it's a wonderful thing. These people could have said, oh, did ever you see so much bread and so much? What a banquet. What a supper. What a spread. What a saving. Oh, it's just marvelous. What would you think of someone that had walked away from this supper hungry? Who could they blame? Well, they couldn't blame the Savior, and they couldn't say He didn't make enough. He made enough for every. The only person they could blame was just themselves, because there was enough there that everybody could eat. Dear friend, listen, I plead with you, as a hungry soul, a missing dimension in life, an emptiness that nothing of this world will ever fill. Can I tell you, Christ could fill your heart with eternal joy, salvation, peace, and blessedness. The provision is here. May God grant you will come tonight. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Trust in Christ. And as the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. The problem that was faced the provision that was furnished, and best of all, the people that were filled when they took each one for himself or herself, each one took what Christ provided, and they got the blessing of the banquet. I hope that will be your experience today. You've done well. You've done well. I set myself a target for ten past five. I think I've done well too. And I might have skipped over little pieces. And if I have skipped over little pieces or went too fast, or you couldn't understand this strange Irish accent, don't be afraid to ask a question. We'll be glad to talk to you. For, dear friend, the one thing I don't want you to do, go away. Refuse the provision. Miss Christ. Miss salvation. And be hungry and thirsty in hell forever. God forbid, may God grant you'll trust the Savior tonight, shall we pray. Our Father, we bow again to thank Thee for Thy precious Word. Thank Thee for the glorious Christ. We're glad that He ever came and had compassion on us in our lostness, provided all that we needed for time and for eternity. We thank Thee for so many here tonight, and we have partaken of what He has provided. We are saved and satisfied. We ask if there would be a hungry heart, even as we come to the close of this meeting, that some will appreciate, appreciate the Savior and trust in Him and taste the sweetness of this great salvation supper. We ask Thy blessing upon Thy Word. We thank Thee for each one present, every home that's represented, as we step out into the shadows of this evening. We pray Thy blessing 
will follow each and every individual as we thank Thee for the happiness of these days and commit Thy Word and the congregation to Thee in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, I'm going to impose just another minute or two and ask you to sing just a couple of verses of number 333. And the reason I'm giving out this particular gospel song tonight is because it's one of the most famous gospel hymns in the English language, written by a lady who died on this date back in the year 1871. And uh, I'll tell you her story in brief. She was in her 80s when she died. Fifty years before that, as a young woman of 32, she was troubled about salvation, and she had been at a meeting, and she'd been told to come to Christ, and she didn't know how she should come. And there was a preacher of the gospel said to her, when she asked him, Sir, I know I need to come to the Savior, but how do I come? He said, just come as you are. She did that. She came as she was a sinner. She trusted the Savior as a young woman of 32. And a number of years later, she wrote this beautiful hymn. Maybe there was someone here who has never come. And just through the words of her hymn, you might come as a sinner to the Savior. 333, just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come. Now we'll be selective here. Uh, verse 1 and verse 4 and 5. 1, 4, and 5 only would divide the hymn in half and sing these three stanzas of 333 to conclude the meeting. And thank you for listening.